The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed with host and author of the award-winning book of the same name, Lisa Lutan. Lisa has amazing tips to help you slow down, get healthy, manage your time, improve your relationships, and deal with stress. Now, here is Lisa Lutan. Hey, everyone. It's Lisa. Welcome to my show where I get to introduce you to my favorite health and wellness rock stars. As a health and lifestyle coach, not a day goes by when I don't hear a woman say, I need to lose weight. And since I tend to work with women over age 40, this gets harder and harder, you know, especially when it's maybe five to 10 pounds. And these women are already eating pretty healthy and working out and thinking they're doing everything pretty well, which they are. So that's why I am so excited about our guest today, Yuri Elkheim. Yuri is a nutrition, fitness, and fat loss expert and the New York Times bestselling author of The All-Day Energy Diet and The All-Day Fat-Burning Diet. He's a former professional soccer player turned health crusader, and he's most famous for helping people who've tried everything to lose weight and get in shape with little success. Yuri is on a mission to empower 10 million people to greater health by next year by making fit and healthy simple again. Wow, this is so exciting. Yuri, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Happy to be here. Great. So, Yuri, I ask every guest, my Lisa 5, ask every guest questions. Let's start. Number one, what did you have for breakfast today? I had a green juice. How do you spend the first hour of your day? Um, On a good day, I have about an hour for myself to walk my dogs or do some meditation. Sometimes I'm woken up by my three boys going crazy. What do you do for fun? I love playing tennis. What is the one thing you do every day that has a huge impact on your life? Uh, I, I think, well, obviously spending, probably spending a good amount of time with my kids. Yeah. And who inspires you? Who inspires me? That's a good question. Um, I think anybody who is showing up in the world in a big way. So I don't know if there's one specific person, but just any kind of, any person who's just doing their best at being their best. Cool. I love that. So Yuri, I love what you, you have on your website. It says, from soccer to bed to no hair on your head. Can you explain <laughs> your, your journey um, yeah. as you define it that way? So... So growing up, my whole goal was playing pro soccer. That's all I wanted to do from a very young age. And I spent all of my teenage years playing and training at uh, the highest possible level I could. And when I was in my early 20s, I was able to play professionally for a number of years, which was awesome. And during the whole process, uh, because I was so active and fit, I didn't really take note of a lot of the health issues that I was dealing with. I just kind of figured, you know, I was young and they just, you know, vanish away on their own. Um, but I had the like, digestive issues, 
like really bad stomach aches and stuff like that after eating certain foods that have uh, really bad eczema throughout the year, asthma, like really bad in the spring and early summer and really low energy. And I didn't really pay attention to that other than the asthma because it kind of <laughs> limited what I could do. But the, the low energy was something I thought I was just tired from playing soccer all the time. But um, what I later realized is that low energy is a warning sign that something much more severe is happening inside the body. And I realized that because when I was just about 17 years old, uh, I got home from soccer practice one night, hopped in the shower, and as I was washing my hair, I rinsed everything out, looked at my hands, and my hands were covered in hair. And I jumped out of the shower, toweled off, towel, towel was obviously full of hair as well. Um, woke up the next morning after going to bed, noticed a bunch of hair in my pillow. And at that point, I was like, okay, something is going on here. What What is it? And what I started to notice is that I had these bald patches showing up in my head. And my uh, immunologist said that I had this autoimmune condition called alopecia. And I asked him, like, okay, well, what, what can we do about it? Why does it happen? And he's like, well, there's really nothing we can do about it. There's no known cause other than stress. And I'm like, well, that's not really helpful. So uh, it took me about eight years to kind of go down this path of trying to figure out what happened. But before all that, I lost all of my hair in six weeks. So head, eyebrows, eyelashes, everything. And to give you some context, my dad's Moroccan. And I had a lot of hair. So like body hair, thick eyebrows, the whole bit. And that was a big wake-up call. So that really led me down this path of, you know, during that time, I was able to pursue my career in soccer. Um, but it always in the back burner was just like, how, how do I figure this out? How do I kind of resurrect things? And I, I made some interesting discoveries on roots that, that really made a big difference for me. One of them was this idea that my body was just toxic and polluted from eating junk for almost 20 years of my life. And as a young kid, you're growing up eating hot dogs and grilled cheese sandwiches and chocolate milk and all this stuff that you don't really pay attention to because you think you're invincible. And it caught up with me and it caught up with me pretty early. So I think I had some really cool introspective, uh, you know, moments and, and, and really looking into how I can overcome a lot of this stuff. And through a series of events, when I retired from playing soccer, I was, I came back to Toronto at 25 years old and I re-enrolled in, so I'd finished my degree in kinesiology prior to that, but I went back to school to study holistic nutrition, and I had confirmation there that my diet was a big culprit in this, uh, a lot of these issues. And as I Can I just learn, ask you an important question before you yeah, continue? For sure. You're speaking so calmly, and here you were, what, you were 17 and your hair fell out? Were you like freaking out? Like, you're like, yeah, my hair fell out. Like, was that like, oh my God? Well, or well, I, you- <laughs> I speak about it so much now that it's just like, it's just, you know, it's like putting on another sweater or something, it seems. But at the time, I, I to be very honest with you, I, I think I dealt with it fairly, uh, fairly well. I didn't freak out. I mean, I think my dad and his side of the family freaked out a bit more. But I was, I've always had a really good head on my shoulders. And I knew even then that it was only hair. Like, yes, I, I went from being like this, like, really, like, good-looking guy with the flowing locks and all this stuff in my senior year of high school to looking like a cancer patient in six weeks. But I knew that I wasn't defined by how I looked. And I knew that there was um, bigger fish fish to fry. Long story short, um, 
went through nutrition, cleaned everything up, uh, regrew all my hair, had way more energy than ever before, kept my head shaved because it was kind of my claim to fame by that point. But I'll tell you when I was uh, really scared was a couple years ago, I was uh, taking my son to the doctor. And while I was there, she recommended I get a tetanus shot for whatever reason, I don't know. I didn't even question it. I just got it done. And within two weeks, all of my hair started falling out again. So by this point, I had built up a pretty you know, sizable audience. And I was kind of considered this, you know, health authority. And I'd created like 900 videos on YouTube. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, what are what are people going to think? Like, this is this is not good. So I did something that um, I, I just I just kind of thought this is what I have to do. So what I did is I actually got my wife to go buy some makeup. And I painted on my eyebrows for two years. And so if you've seen some of my videos on YouTube, you'll see some of the older ones where I've got like bushy eye, bushy eyebrows and scruffy beard. And then other ones where I've got like these weird looking eyebrows and that was, that was makeup. And so I did that for two years out of shame, out of, out of like, well, wow, like if, if people really saw me for what's going on here, what are they going to think? And that was really, that was, that was like having a really big weight kind of holding you down because I was... I didn't want to go swimming because, so like, God forbid the water should, you know, wash away the eyebrows or my workouts. I had to tone those down because if I sweat too much, I'd be doing the same thing. Uh, just a lot of things in my life were just, I didn't want to do because I'm like, oh, I don't want to go swimming with the kids because, you know, what if the water washes things off? And so it was, just, it was just really ridiculous. And I got to the point where I was at an event and I was having some conversations uh, with, with some friends and... Just it was just you know everything happens with perfect timing and for a reason and at that it was a, kind of a spiritual retreat type of event and I woke up the next morning and I said you know what I'm done I'm done with the eyebrows I'm done with the nonsense and I went to do some yoga on the beach that morning and I was I felt naked like I literally felt I was fully clothed but I felt naked because I didn't have anything on my face and so I was doing yoga on the beach and then we finished off lying in shavasana and then it starts raining. And I'm like, how amazing is this? So it's raining there. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. And then I just ran down the beach, jumped in the ocean. And it's kind of like I, I was rebirthed. But when I came back from that trip, the scariest moment of my life was shooting my coming out video, if you will, for YouTube. And I said, hey, guys, like, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And that was a really scary moment for me. That was actually more scared about that than when I initially lost my hair when I was 17. So, yeah, so that's kind of the whole story. That's the journey. That's part of why I do what I do now because I want to help end suffering for other people because I obviously went through my own bout of it and I've seen a lot of other people do the same. And that's what I'm on a mission to do. Amazing. I have so many questions, but before, I don't want to forget this one thing, is the tetanus shot. Like, do you think the tetanus shot, is there something we're supposed to be afraid of now from tetanus shots that caused this? Do you have any idea what did it? Well, I don't want to make blanket statements about vaccinations. Um, but for me, I was, my immune system was already, you know, in hyperdrive because that's kind of what happens with an autoimmune disorder. And I had, I had been vaccinated with everything when I was young and I had like antibiotics, everything. Like my, my body was just a bit of a mess. So for me at the stage, at, at this point in time, I think the tetanus shot was just like that extra fuel to add to the fire that just kind of took things from, 
you know, my immune system being somewhat moderate now, it's just kind of ramping it up again and going kind of haywire. What was interesting afterwards is I actually started doing some research on tetanus and there was like brand new research like that apparently my doctor wasn't even aware of that showed that the tetanus shot or the tetanus booster wasn't required until um, so basically what they're requiring is every 10 years you should get a tetanus booster or a tetanus shot. The newest research has, sh- has said that doesn't have to be until every 30 years. So, wow. so I'm like, wow, that would have been good to know uh, before this or had my doctor known about this, that would have probably saved my hair. But yeah, so in my case, that was definitely the, the, the big trigger because there, there wasn't anything else that was different in my life. Like I was, I was trying to piece this all together and it was it was almost like cause and effect i can't say for sure but when you notice within a couple of days your hair starts falling out again it's like okay what happened so yeah so that's super important because so many people out there are dealing with autoimmune challenges right now and i think that that's something listeners should just take note of if you are before you go get some shot like a tetanus shot do a little research on that because i never would have thought of that that's really fascinating yeah, and but, tetanus is one of those things where it's like, well, I'm not, I don't plan on stepping on any nails, you know, like I think I'll be okay even if I do, but yeah, anyways. Yeah, you never know, but so, okay, so now you're on this mission and you're going to help us all like lose weight and get in the best shape of our lives, and how do you do that with this simple, this simple way of doing it? Because we've heard a lot of things, there's so much out there, you know, mm-hmm. telling us what to do. So what yeah. makes your plan a little bit different? Well, the thing is, I've got a few plans. Um, but the, at the kind of the overarching theme is that what I do really well is I take a lot of the complexity and I simplify it for people. And, I've, and I think part of the reason for this is because I've always been on a mission to help people learn how to fish, not just give them the fish. And sometimes that's frustrating because... I don't think a lot of people want to learn how to fish. They just want to fish. And so it's like you want to teach people about how their body works so that they can make better decisions based on their own kind of metabolism and physiology. And sometimes people are totally interested. Other people are just like, give me the pill, give me the powder. And so we have a little bit of both, right? We have we obviously have some supplements that can help them and they're, they're super high quality and, and, and delicious. Um, but at the core of what I do is if I can help somebody understand how, cause for me, the big transformation for me was when I started to learn about my own physiology, but when I was going through school, learning about anatomy and physiology and biochemistry, I, I don't need to like, I just had a sense of power and control and peace of mind that I don't need to be swayed by the latest diet or the latest headline because I understand how my body works. And Sadly, we're never taught any of this stuff in school. We're never taught anything about food from the time we start school in kindergarten all the way through up until university if we choose to do that. And I think that's a travesty. It really, really is uh, very unfortunate. And I think it should be mandatory in the school system to teach kids about how the body works. You know, maybe not at a granular level, but understand, hey, when you eat food, here's what happens. Here's where it goes. Here's why it does this. And I think giving people that level of understanding helps them make better decisions because if they understand that, okay, this is how diabetes develops and here's some simple things you can do to prevent that or understanding that like a simple understanding of like diabetes is, you know, one of the reasons it develops is because your cells no longer respond to insulin. But check this out. If you do small bouts of high intensity exercise, you actually increase your cells responsiveness to insulin. 
And therefore, you don't need to respond. You don't need to rely on external shots and stuff like that. Um, but so just kind of giving people a better sense of like what the heck is going on in their body. And really, I think most people know more about their car than they do about their body because their car at least comes with an owner's manual and the body doesn't. And so my goal is to really equip people with great information that simplifies things, but also gives them stuff that's practical and backed by science so that they can move forward in their life with a little bit more confidence and clarity. I love that. That We definitely need to teach that in school. We also need to teach basic nutrition and meditation and how to have a conversation, right? Yep. All these basic Absolutely. things. We're going to be taking a short break. When we come back, I am with fitness and nutrition expert Yuri Elkheim, and we are going to share with you how to simplify weight loss. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's Healthy, Happy, and Hip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at healthyhappyandhip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm here with Yuri Elkheim, who is a nutrition, fitness, and fat loss expert and the New York Times bestselling author of The All-Day Energy Diet. And we're going to talk about ways to simplify weight loss. So, Yuri, again, most of my women that I deal with, a lot of our listeners are like women over 40 and who are really struggling. You know, they're trying, they're eating pretty healthy, they're working out, and they're still struggling with, you know, that last 10 pounds or so. So, can mm-hmm. we delve into that a little bit? Yeah. So, I've got uh, two two opinions on this, two perspectives. I can talk about the uh, perspective that I talked about and that I've, uh, that I've spoken about for a long time, uh, which I talk about in my all-day fat-burning diet book. And then I've got like the newer perspective that I have, which I think will be very refreshing. So um, let me start off with the newer, newer, newer. The newer one. Well, the newer one is actually not very sexy. So uh, the newer one is this: um, I don't really care what you eat; just enjoy it. 
Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, and don't obsess about anything. Just enjoy the experience and live your life. End of story. So that's like oversimplified, but here's, mm-hmm. here's the reality is that I've written, you know, three books now on nutrition and I've said everything I can say about it. Uh, you know, I had the book on energy, had the book on fat loss, and they're both amazing books. I'm going to a cookbook follow-up and I'm super pumped about and super proud that I, I published those. And as you evolve, you know, you kind of learn more stuff. Um, what I've come to realize is that I, I think one of the biggest reasons people struggle with their weight is because they're obsessed about it. And anything you focus on expands. And if you're focused on the fact that you know, you're overweight, well, that's, that's going to be the predominant focus of your life. But one of the things here that one of the, the core premises that I talk about in the all-day fat burning diet is that the reason we have so much challenge of losing weight is because our body is in stress mode all the time. And I don't just mean like, you know, thinking about like stuff and we're stressed out because of that. But when you stress about like when your body is slightly stressed, whether it's from the foods you're eating, environmental toxins, uh, thoughts or anything else, your brain is still the same brain that's been around since man and woman first walked the earth. It's that primitive reptilian brain that perceives stress as a threat to survival. So what the body does in that state is or what the what the brain does specifically is it says hold on we're not 100% certain about our survival we're not sure if we're going to be here tomorrow or next week so what we need to do is we need to slow things down to conserve energy so it sends a signal from the hypothalamus to the thyroid for instance to slow down the metabolism when that happens well obviously your metabolism slows you're not burning as many calories and a whole host of symptoms. You feel cold and sluggish and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, it you know, becomes a lot tougher to lose weight at that point. But also, you can't release fat because fat is a very important uh, fuel source. And if the body is in like stressed out, not sure if we're going to survive mode, it's going to want to conserve those energy-rich stores because fat will give you close to two and a half times more calories than carbohydrates or protein will. So the body is going to want to conserve that and not get rid of it. So that becomes a really interesting consideration. If we want to lose weight, we have to learn how to get our body into relaxation mode. And I'm not just saying like meditate, but basically on a day-to-day basis, is understanding that your nervous system has two pathways. It has the sympathetic or the parasympathetic. Sympathetic is fight or flight. It's stress. It's the go, go, go. It's to get ready to fight or run away. When that happens, um, that's the state most people live in, and that's that leads to burnout. It leads to all sorts of issues, and that's not a good way to live. Parasympathetic is the complete opposite. It's relaxation. It's kind of chill. If you can get your body to spend more time in parasympathetic mode, all aspects of your health will improve. So I'm not saying you have to become a Zen monk, although if you can add some level of meditation or some level of uh, conscious awareness to your daily life, it'll greatly benefit you. And by so let's just bring this back to food. I get, I get questions all the time, like to the level of specificity that like a college professor wouldn't even understand. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not the right question. It's not, it doesn't matter how much protein you're getting on a daily basis. It doesn't matter if, you know, this, this uh, cupcake is all natural. You know, it's so funny. I had this conversation with my mom. Like she's talking about how, 
you know, she goes to this one bakery because they're all natural cupcakes. I'm like, it doesn't matter. They're cupcakes. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about getting organic cupcakes. Meanwhile, we'll be eating cupcakes or we're, we're fussing about like this little thing over here, but then we totally go off the deep end over here. And it's like, none of this stuff makes sense. So I try to like, you know, going to simplify things. I'm like, what if we actually like a hundred years ago, I don't think our ancestors had these conversations and I'm not saying that it's not good to be informed. And it's, it's, it's obviously a good thing to know what's going on, but what I've recognized is the more you dive into this stuff, the more you have to remove yourself from a lot of the details. Because, you know, I think at every level, the deeper you go, the more simple you end, you end up understanding that it has to become. So by I that, I mean... You could, oops, I wish you could see my face right now because I don't know if you're aware of this, but I wrote a book called mm-hmm. Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. And yep. the name of this show is Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. So I am like smiling ear to ear here yeah. because we're talking the same language and I wasn't expecting you to be saying that. So. No, like it's, no, I, it's, it's, it's a really, like, I mean, it's funny. I, I shared this on a uh, Facebook live video I did yesterday and the number of thumbs up and shares I got on this was incredible. It was crazy. It was because you, when you do a Facebook Live, you see the little icons pop up across the screens, you know, people thumbing it up and liking it. And it was far more than what I had ever seen before if I talked about specifics about what to eat after your workouts or, you know, should you exercise in a fasted state. And those are, you know, it's good information. But when you're telling people like, hey, if you go have a burger and fries, enjoy the crap out of that. Love it. Don't feel guilty. Don't shame yourself. Don't like hop on the treadmill the next morning as your cardio confessional like enjoy your food and yes do your best to eat you know foods that are coming from planet earth but one of the things that we're trying with our kids to do as as good a job as we can is not to label foods as good or bad and this is something i'm trying to get my mom to understand because my son was eating cereal which is not something we'd really give him that often but he was eating cereal for breakfast and he said something like, you know, are we going to, are we going to get like a, like a healthier lunch? I'm like, what do you mean like healthier lunch? He's like, oh, cause you know, cereal's bad. And I'm like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Cereal's bad. Like who said cereal's bad? He's like, oh, you know, grandma mentioned this. And I'm like, oh shit. You know? And it's like, <laughs> those aren't good belief systems to have as a six year old kid. And this, this is the type of stuff that leads to all sorts of eating disorders and like nonsense as we grow older. So it's just about like, hey, whatever it is you're eating, do your best to make sure it's, you know, decent quality from planet Earth, ideally not from a box or package. But even if it is, you know, don't demonize it. Don't demonize yourself for eating that food. Because when you do all that stuff, you're going into sympathetic mode. You're going into stress mode. And instead of just enjoying the process, feeling good about it, uh, your body resonates completely differently with that type of food. I love that you said that. I like to look at it as more often foods and less often foods. And so, you know, there's room for everything, but maybe not every day. You know, you kind of save those for special occasions. So it's so refreshing to hear you say all this. I'm like, I'm really, really excited to hear this. But that being said, okay, so, and I preach the same exact stuff. It's still kind of hard. It's still kind of hard, you know, especially for women who are trying to do that. They're trying to relax about it. They're trying to eat what they love and eat mindfully. But, you know, the clock is working against them. Their hormones are changing. And I know that people are looking for some little tweaks, Mm -hmm. you know, that they can do to help with this. Yep. 
Yeah. So I, again, like it's, I think it's part of the journey that we all go on. It's like, okay, am I going to get to a point where I'm cool with all this stuff? And then in that process, understanding which foods feel better for your body. So my mom is like, as an example, my mom was kind of like the, my target audience, a 65 year old postmenopausal woman. So I have a lot of, a lot of experience with them. And, you know, she's like, you know, like I, I do my best to eat salads and, um, and all this kind of stuff, but I get bloated afterwards. And I'm like, okay, cool. You're like, you're having salad in the dead of winter. A, from an Ayurvedic perspective, doesn't make a lot of sense. If you don't feel like eating a salad in the winter, then probably don't eat it. Um, and third, it's making you feel bloated. Well, maybe because your body can't handle all that fiber. So why not just try a soup instead and see how that does? You know, maybe it'll warm you up. You'll break down the fiber more easily. You know, and, and I think it's, 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 it's really important to for each individual to learn about their body and what works best for them. It's not about, oh, did you try the latest diet or this diet is the diet to end all diets. The diet, the best diet that you're to, to follow is the one you don't even know you're on. And I, I think, you know, experimenting, it's trying exactly. different things. Exactly what you just said and what works for me. I exactly can't agree more. You know, one thing I am a little bit intrigued and I know you talk about this a lot is intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of confusion out there about what it is exactly. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So intermittent fasting is basically periods of eating and periods of non-eating. Now, just to be clear, it's not like 30 days of no eating and then 30 days of eating. It's it's literally 18 to 24 hours of no eating. That's pretty much what it is. But intermittent fasting, you know, if you want it to be even more granular, it could just be when you're sleeping, you're fasting, right? You're not eating. So anytime you're in a fasted state, which means you're post-fed, kind of after your food's been digested, you're essentially in a fasted state. And there's a lot of benefits to that because when your body is eating food and digesting food all the time, it doesn't have the energy to do other things in the body like break down immune complexes, repair damaged cells. It's a whole process known as autophagy. And you know, since the beginning of time, and every major religion incorporates some degree of fasting. And there's a reason for that because it has a lot of health benefits you know, above and beyond the, the religious reasons. But from a fat loss perspective, there's a lot of research that shows the benefits of fat loss. Fat loss, um, sort of the benefits of intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, deep sleep, and intense exercise all have the same hormonal effects inside the body. So they increase growth hormone, and growth hormone helps with muscle, helps burn fat. Another thing that happens is you have shifts at a cellular level to tap into fats as a fuel source a little more effectively when you're in a fasted state. So for instance, if you're exercising and you don't have to be doing a crazy workout, but if you're exercising in a fasted state, your body's gonna rely more on fat as a fuel source than if you had just finished a meal. So one of the things that I, I like encouraging people to try intermittent fasting because what it does is it helps you not only with that stuff, but it gives you a really good inner look at why you feel you need to be eating all the time. We've been led, here's a big lie we've been led to believe is you have to be eating every two to three hours. Otherwise your metabolism will break down. And, and I think part of the problem with that is that the metaphor that's used is very misleading. People talk about your metabolism like it's a fireplace. And if you don't continually put logs into the fire, the fire is going to extinguish. And that's a terrible analogy for the metabolism because in reality, what happens is if you eat all the time, you're always in a fed state, always eating, what ends up happening is that 
you're actually keeping your blood sugar high. And as a result, your insulin goes up. When your insulin goes up, you increase inflammation inside the body. And we don't want inflammation or high insulin levels on a, on a regular basis. That's the, those are two of the biggest markers of all disease. You know, it could be type 2 diabetes leading to obesity, cardiovascular disease, all the markers of disease. A lot of them can come back to chronically high insulin levels and inflammation. So why would we want to be eating all the time. It just doesn't make sense to me. So intermittent fasting allows you to spend a couple hours throughout the day. Let's say let's say you decide to have dinner, right? You finish your dinner at seven o'clock and then you're in a fasted state by let's say nine o'clock. You go to bed, you wake up the next morning. By nine o'clock the next morning, you've now been in a 12 hour fast. If you can make it till about early after early to mid afternoon, you're about 16 to 18 hours in. That's when a lot of the physiological health benefits happen. But during that process, you're going to go through some really interesting psychological battles. Hey, I feel like I have to have this, or I'm, I, I feel like I need to be eating this. But ask yourself the question, why? Am I bored? Am I anxious? Am I stressed? Am I eating this or reaching for this because it's I'm conditioned to do so when I'm sitting at my desk or doing this? And just that one day alone, will give you more insight into how you operate on a daily basis than anything else you can do. So I think it's a really valuable experiment for people to go through. And then after that, decide, like, listen, yeah, I felt better. I actually had more mental clarity. I had more energy. I was more productive. And I didn't have to think about what I'm going to eat next. And it's just a really liberating process to go through. And that's why I encourage everyone to try it at least once. Do you do this daily? I do it I don't do it I don't do it religiously. So I do it in a way so my whole goal with what I teach is really getting to the point where you can listen to your body to the point where you know when you're hungry and eating then if that's appropriate and stopping when you're full. So what I do is I wake up in the morning and I just ask myself am, am I hungry or can I can I go for a couple hours without any food? And a lot of times I actually don't have my first meal up until about probably about noon or one o'clock. And that's essentially breakfast because breakfast is break fast, right? So whenever that happens is kind of considered breakfast. Some days I'm starving in the morning and I'll have a big breakfast. Other days I'm not. And so I think it really comes down to your lifestyle, your individual needs, your activity levels. And just saying, yeah, like if, I'm, if I want to have a big breakfast, then that's okay. But again, try to make that breakfast a little bit more protein heavy, not so much on the carbohydrates. Otherwise, you're going to feel pretty sluggish afterwards. And if you don't have to eat first thing in the morning, you'll be okay. Nothing's going to happen to your body. And you'll actually give your body some really cool opportunities to tap into stored fats, start to repair some damaged stuff, and really just make you feel a little bit better. So I, I would say on... For most days, I'm usually fasting up until about lunch, and I, it's very rare for me to jump out of bed and be like right to the kitchen for food. So, yeah. Well, this is fascinating. We're taking a break right now. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute with Yuri Elkheim talking more about nutrition, fitness, fat loss, and all this good stuff. See you soon. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at healthyhappyandhip.com. Now, back to busy, stressed, and food obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Welcome back. I'm here with Yuri Elkheim, and we're talking about nutrition, fitness, fat loss, and all this good stuff, including intermittent fasting. And what's so interesting is all these things we've been taught, like, oh, you have to have a good breakfast. Oh, you should graze throughout the day. All these things we're learning might not be so good. So, Yuri, you know, how, why is it we've been told all these years that breakfast is the most important meal of the day? (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty easy. It all comes back down to marketing. So I love marketing. I think marketing is the best thing since sliced bread. And it's it's essentially just education. That's that's what I consider marketing. But unfortunately, when it comes to the food and drug and medical industry, uh, that marketing has definitely been um, ill-construed. So we know that there are companies like General Mills and Post and a lot of these cereal companies who've had the sole objective of making cereal a habit forming thing. You know, and if you think about the creation of the cereal industry, it started back in the early 1900s and cereal was actually a corn-based meal that was used in a psychiatric hospital in Michigan to keep patients subdued. Like it was crazy. Oh, and that's that's kind of how it all came about. And but again, like these companies are brilliant. Like they're they're sick, but they're brilliant because like any good product will in and of itself create habit forming um, habits, right? So why not condition the entire world that this is what you have first thing in the morning, right? And that's just done over decades of commercials and indoctrination. And it wasn't like paleolith- our Paleolithic ancestors were roaming the plains and be like, oh, you know what? I got to have my cereal. You know, that wasn't, that. <laughs> I guarantee that wasn't the conversation. But, you know, with advertising and marketing and these big food companies, they're very clever at creating these types of habit-forming behaviors that become embedded in our culture. And that's, that's why breakfast has become what it is. Amazing. So talk to us about what a good, healthy day would look like for a woman. 
like in her 40s or 50s, who's trying to take off a few pounds, eat healthy, be satisfied. Yeah. So I think a healthy day is obviously one where the majority of the food is, you know, is from nature, you know, plant-based, you know, some quality animal products if you're putting them in there. Um, but, you know, it's funny. So let's, let's, let's talk about in the morning. So morning, definitely, you know, lots of water. Um, I like starting, if I'm going to have anything first thing in the morning, I'll have water with apple cider vinegar, or I'll have water with my greens powder, or I'll have a green juice. I think getting more of that alkalinity in is very important and very, very misunderstood or actually not even understood in terms of raising overall health and helping with weight loss. So getting more greens in, raising alkalinity is very important. Um, but in terms of if you're going to have anything in the morning, make sure that it's a little bit heavier, sorry, a little bit higher on the protein as opposed to carbohydrates. So I, I, I'm not a huge fan of like the cereal and the oatmeal and the bagels and toast in the morning. It just sets you up for not a good day and it tends to increase cravings later in the day. So if you can start your day with maybe a protein shake or a smoothie with protein in it or some eggs and bacon, um, you know, there's, there's different things you can do, but try to get a little bit more protein in the morning. It'll set you up for a much better day ahead. It'll keep cravings down. It'll keep you full longer. And then, you know, throughout the day, just listen to your body. Like, are you hungry at lunch? Yes. Cool. Have a good lunch. Maybe go have, you know, something if, again, depends on if you're at home or uh, at work and, and grabbing something on the go, but whatever it is you're doing, enjoy the food. Make sure the food is, you know, relatively as clean as possible. Um, but if it's not, then don't freak out about it. But just notice how it makes you feel. Don't guilt yourself. Don't shame yourself. Um, but I'm a big proponent of getting a lot of plants in. So if you can, if you can do your best to keep about 80% of your diet or more plant-based, uh, you're going to feel better. You're going to look better. All, all aspects of your health will be better. So think of, you know, salads, smoothies, soups. Those are all great kind of additions. So if you're having whatever it is you're having for lunch, have a nice salad on the side. Or if it's in the wintertime, have a soup on the side. Uh, for dinner time, I like eating earlier um, in the evening as opposed to like the, the Mediterranean 10 o'clock dinner. But uh, partly because I've got three kids and we tend to have dinner like 4.30 or 5 sometimes. So it's like the early <laughs> My favorite the senior, time. <laughs> I know, like the senior special. So we tend to have a heavier dinner. So my biggest meal of the day is usually dinner. So I'll usually eat very late throughout the day. And then usually my heaviest meal of the day is at dinner time. And that's just what works for me. But I think if, again, you have to figure out what's going to work best for you and um, and just kind of play around, tweak, tweak some stuff, See, try this, try that. Doesn't make you feel good. Cool. Note that and try something different. And eventually, hopefully you get to the point where you realize these foods make me feel good. These foods don't make me feel so good. And it's not that they're good or bad. It's just that they don't resonate with you as well. And then just trying to really listen to that as best as possible and, and just live your life like that. And the same with wheat and dairy and sugar, I'm guessing, you know, experimenting with those. Yeah. I'm, I mean, in general, um, I'm not like all the recipes that I create are allergen-free sugar or like low in sugar. Because um, I, 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 do, I do really believe that they're not going to help you if you want to lose weights. Uh, they're inflammatory. They're, um, they just cause a bunch of stuff in the guts and in the immune system that doesn't really support weight loss. So if you can be gluten and dairy free, awesome. But if you're not, if you're not celiac and you're at an amazing French or Italian restaurant and they serve this great bread, well, I'll tell you, I'm going to eat that bread. 
that's that's kind of my that's my downfall. But um, I do my best not to eat bread at home, just because I know that if I start start with it, it's just going to go down this slippery path for me. So um, yeah, I would say in general, if you can limit dairy and gluten consumption and obviously sugar as well, you'll be a lot better off. And what do you think about just grains in general? Grains, I I'm a I'm a I like grain. I mean, I like like non-glutinous grains. So things like buckwheat, quinoa, um, millet, amaranth, those are some really nice grains. They have some really cool uh, nutrient profiles. Um, other than that, like there's a, I don't really know why we would need to be having glutinous grains nowadays. So there's so many great alternatives. Even if you're having pasta, you can get rice pasta, you can get quinoa pasta. There's so many great non-glutinous variations that um, I think it's worth considering. Um, and then it really, get, again, it depends on the person's body. And if you want to get to the level of doing some type of genetic testing to see if you have a predisposition to not dealing with grains that well, or specifically gluten. And again, just listening to your body say, okay, when I have, you know, bread of this type, here's how I feel. When I have quinoa, I feel better or not so good. And just kind of keep, you know, t- keeping note of that. Because I think everyone's different, right? Everyone's going to respond a bit differently to the same foods and, um, if you're avoiding things that will bring you joy, then I don't think that's a lot of fun. What are fat triggers? Fat triggers are uh, basically anything that can trigger your body to store excess fat. So we talked about like stress being one of them. We can talk about like toxic belly bugs, which are essentially bad bacteria and different microorganisms that have a tendency to offset the balance in the gut which can lead us to making uh, poor food choices because those bacteria actually can disrupt your taste receptors and force you to eat chocolate for instance because these bacteria actually it's amazing there's been some very cool research on this how certain bacteria have a preference for specific foods and they'll actually force you to eat more of those foods so you feed those bacteria so they can proliferate and survive it's it's phenomenal so um yeah, so having a good qual- a good micro a good healthy microbiome. So a good balance between good and bad bacteria is really important. And if we're eating a lot of the foods like high in sugar, high in gluten, a lot of like refined carbohydrates, that's gonna offset that balance. And we're gonna have more of the bad bacteria, not so much the good. And that can lead to a lot of issues, uh, not just um, you know, with weight gain. Uh, other things we can look at are environmental toxins, right? Toxins are, are they're, they're kind of interesting because we can't really see them. There are these invisible, you know, things that enter our body and are surrounding our body. And I think we don't really pay a lot of attention to them unless we actually get some type of testing done. You know, blood, urine samples, and they're like, wow, you've got like 120 different uh, toxins that are showing up here. Then you're like, interesting. Um, but we know things like mercury and lead have very profound effects on the thyroid. They will actually bind to thyroid receptors uh, thyroid hormone receptors, which means that your thyroid hormone, even though if your thyroid's producing enough hormone, won't actually bind to the cells because the thyroid receptor has now been taken up by lead or mercury. So there's a lot of different toxins, heavy metals and so forth that uh, we're getting in our food supply and our environments. And that can all make a, you know, make an interesting uh, difference inside the body. But I mean, with that said, it's, you know, like th- it's a fine balance between obsessing about this stuff and knowing about this stuff because i mean i know people in our space who are traveling with their own organic mattress 
like to that <laughs> level. And I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Because at the end of the day, I don't think those types of decisions are going to help you live to 200 years old, right? Versus somebody who is so somebody who's more joyful, is surrounded by people that they love to be around, is experiencing just really nice food that, you know, may have some gluten, may be exposed to some pesticides, but they're enjoying the whole environment. They're enjoying the whole process. And as a result, there's just a whole better, there's a whole kind of energetic experience to that, which is much more healthy for the body. And I, I think there's a lot of validity to that, even though scientifically it's tough to show. But we hear this all the time, like, you know, people that live to 110 years old or 100 years old, and like, what are they doing? It's not like they're never drinking. It's not like they're gluten-free. It's not like they're, you know, like these pristine examples of health. They just seem to be happier, not isolated and, and kind of alone, and they're surrounded by decent quality foods with great people that make them feel happy, and they do things they love. And so I think whatever it is you're doing, whether you're like a, a food Nazi or a little bit more liberal with your food, either way, just enjoy that process because I think that in and of itself is going to be the determinant of how healthy you are in the long run. And I'll just share one last story about this. I was having dinner with um, with two friends recently. One of them is a pretty prominent figure in the health space and we were like busting his chops at dinner because he's like asking the chef the, the waiters like you know is this gluten-free is this like you know is this sea salt or is it table salt like it was, it was just it was hilarious so we we went i guess a little more liberal with our food choices and we were we did it because we wanted to obviously enjoy the food but obviously to get our body to just kind of loosen up a bit and we were driving home afterwards and he was telling me he's like you know you're like you're a lot of times when I have gluten or dairy or anything like that, I really feel it. But he's like, I, don't, I feel great. I don't feel any negative effects. And the reason is because we had a three-hour dinner that was littered with laughter and good vibes and great energy. And he's like, wow. Like I never. He's like, I don't think I've ever put those two together before. And that was a really cool realization. So, yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. I couldn't agree with you more. Like I tend to stay away from those foods most of the time either. And this past weekend I was eating bread and drinking wine and eating chocolate and like things I never eat. And I had like the best time ever. (laughs) It felt so good. But then I came home and I went back to kind of healthy eating. And I think that's something people are so surprised is that you do the best you can most of the time. Mm-hmm. And you have to live. And I, and I love what you're saying before, like the blue zones, you know, just when we look at these people, they're so happy. Not yeah. only are they living long, but they're happy because they are, you know, they're in community and they're doing such wonderful health promoting, you know, activities. So Absolutely. Why do people call you the health whisperer? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I have... Uh... <laughs> an ability to tap into just basic fundamentals of health that just makes sense. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, I just, I just have a a way of, of making health easier and a little more approachable. And I think that's, that's very attractive to a lot of people who are struggling with uh, the dogmatic, like you can never have this. You must only ever have this. You can only work out in these times a day and like everything's put into a box and you have to be like paleo or vegan or, 95% 95% raw or like I'm, I'm none of that. And as, so I think it's hopefully a message that I think more people respond to and relate to. So maybe that's why. 
I love that. Yuri, where can people find out more about you and what type of programs are you offering? Yeah, the uh, best place is our blog. We publish amazing content on a, on a daily basis. Uh, the website is yurielkaim.com. That's Y-U-R-I-E-L-K-A-I-M, just because most people have no idea how to spell my name. And uh, yeah, uh, same, uh, same on Facebook. We've got, uh, you know, I'm doing Facebook Live videos on a, on a pretty regular basis, connecting with our audience, answering questions. And we've got a lot of programs from like, I've got three books, which you can all find on Amazon or any bookstores. We've got follow-along workouts. We have nutrition courses. Um, we don't actually publicly display any of that on our website, and that's just because I don't think it serves anyone. We would rather lead with great content, and then based on what you are interested in, then we can lead you down a path into something we may feel might be more suited for you. So start on the blog. It's amazing and then um, Facebook is always a great place. And then obviously YouTube. I've got like 900 videos on YouTube. So there's a lot of good stuff there too. Well, 900. Wow. <laughs> Lots yeah. to do this weekend, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been such a pleasure. You're welcome. It's been fun. Thank you, listeners. As always, come visit me at www.healthyhappyandhip.com. Leave me a note. Tell me what you liked about the show. Tell me what you'd like to see in future shows and just say hi. Until next week, it's Lisa Lutan. Have a great week and stay healthy. you've enjoyed today's episode on busy stressed and food obsessed did you get some great ideas from today's show join lisa lutan again next thursday at 9 a.m pacific time and 12 noon eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel have a great week Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.